everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. What a wonderful way to start the day, just lifting up the name of the Lord together. It's so wonderful to be in here with all of you, whether you're here in the room or joining us over in our chapel or our Minnetonka campus, uh, or if you're joining us from anywhere else online, we're just so grateful uh, that you've decided to be here for uh, worship this morning. So thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Dagny. I am the pastor of traditional worship and care here at Calvary. And today we are going to be wrapping up our sermon series called Everyday Faith. In this series, we've talked a lot about how we so often fall into the habit of separating our normal lives from our spiritual lives. We identify some parts of our lives as religious and others as ordinary. But throughout the series, we've been learning that God actually calls us to engage with him in every single aspect of our lives. Our private lives, our relationships, how we interact with kids and students, our online presence. And today we are going to talk about another really big one, our work life. See, our faith should show up every single day, and that includes days and moments when we find ourselves working no matter what that work looks like. The reality is we spend so much time working. In fact, I recently read the statistic that on average, a person will spend more than 13 years working. In other words, if you combine all the hours you've worked or will work throughout your life, on average, it adds up to a total of 13 whole years. That's an incredible amount of time. And when I discovered that statistic, it dawned on me that if we let ourselves fall into that habit of categories, category, wow, breaking our life into categories, how about that, um, like spiritual and ordinary, or even if we just separate things into work life or spiritual life, then we're spending at least 13 entire years of our lives in a category separate from faith. More than 13 years of our lives where Jesus and our trust and our faith in him apparently isn't influencing or impacting our choices and our attitudes and how we show up in the world. And when we look at it from that perspective, I can't help but see it as a tragedy. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for anyone here. And God certainly doesn't want that for us either. In fact, the Bible has a whole lot to say about work, about God's work, our work, the ideal for what work is. And so today we're going to take a look at some truths that God communicates to us through scripture about work and faith. And we're going to start with the creation story, right, in Genesis 2. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you have a Bible app on your phone or tablet, let's turn to Genesis 2, and we'll start in verse 4. Genesis 2, 4 through 10 says, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. 
Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right away in Genesis, in the creation story, we see that work is something God does. He creates, he plants and designs and cultivates. He forms and shapes. He gets down in the dirt and in the mud to create man. And then he breathes life into the form he has just created. In the beginning, we see that God was doing manual labor. God was working. And what's more, he enjoys this work. He calls it good over and over again throughout this creation story. And when God calls work good, we can see that there is importance and dignity associated with it. When humans were created, we were made in God's image. It says so right there in Genesis. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. We were created as a reflection of God, of his character and of his heart and of his plan for this world. Shortly thereafter, Genesis 2 tells us that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden that he had just created to tend to it and watch over it. God gave Adam and Eve work to do. In this perfect paradise, newly created by God, a perfect and sinless place, there was work to be done. Work ordained by God, good work. See, work was always a part of God's plan for his people because it is a part of what connects us with his character and his heart and his plan. God works tirelessly to create and mend and redeem and heal and sustain. And as people made in his image, we are called to join him, reflect him and honor him in this work every single day and in all that we do, no matter what our work might look like. Now glorifying and reflecting God in our work is not something reserved only for missionaries or pastors or chaplains. It can be easy to think that their work is more obviously suited to glorifying God, but the reality is that if you are made in God's image, which we all are, then you are called and created to work for God's kingdom no matter where your work takes place. In fact, most of the biblical heroes that we know and love had what we would consider secular jobs. Isaac developed real estate. Jacob was a rancher. Joseph was a government official. David was in the military. Lydia was a businesswoman. And Paul was a tent maker. And I mention all of these figures to really drive home the reality that no vocation or job or role is better than the other. And no vocation or job or role is more or less suited to glorify God, to reflect his character. Every good gift and talent that we have been given is able to be used for his glory. 
simply because of the fact that we have been made in his image with the purpose of bringing glory to him alone. I think that's such a beautiful truth. How glorious it is to know that work was intended to be joyful and good. That work is a way that we are called to reflect God's character and glorify him in every way. But if you're anything like me, that doesn't always feel like the case. See, for some of us, work is a nasty word or a four-letter word. A word that we might associate with stress and anxiety. Maybe you don't particularly like your job or you don't particularly like your coworkers or maybe work is just a necessary evil to pay the bills or to get you through to the weekend. For others of us, the conversation about work makes us sad or fearful and raises questions about whether we're in the right job whether we'll get the job that we desperately need or want, or even what to do now, or how to think about work now that we don't have a job, or maybe we've retired. Whatever the case may be for you, clearly work as we know it doesn't look too much like the good and holy and God-honoring work described in Genesis. Instead, it looks like stress, It looks like navigating challenging things like finances and relationships. It looks like a breeding ground for pride and greed. Well, luckily for us, scripture is extremely realistic about this and offers us the explanation for why this disconnect exists. See, when sin entered the world right there in the Garden of Eden, something happened to work the way that it was intended for us. Instead of being a joy and a reflection of God's character, it became a hardship and a burden. Genesis 3, 17 through 19 says, then to the man God said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Humanity's rebellion against God brought about the kind of work that would be painful and difficult God told Adam and Eve that we would have to work extremely hard to survive and that we would be working hard until the very last day of our lives. Now it's important to note here that while God is cursing the ground and telling Adam and Eve all the ways that their work would be burdensome and difficult, he's reiterating the truth that every single thing had been infected by sin and brokenness. And that included our work. Work itself became tied up with our sinful desires and our sinful thoughts and actions. It had lost its perfect reflection of God's character and his perfect plan for the world. It had lost its connection with God's good work, the kind of work that honors and glorifies him. And when that shift happened, 
and work became infected and broken. The tendency to make work about us crept in, about our wants and our desires and our goals and our plans. That is so often what drives our work now rather than working in order that we might honor God. Greed and pride, the desire for power and fame, all of it, even on the smallest level, took over the way that work was intended for us. When our work became this mangled and selfish pursuit, it lost its intended dignity. It lost its original meaning and its deep joy because the truth is that on its own, work can never fulfill us. When our identity is found only in our work and in what our work can do for us, we will be disappointed in it every single time. We will be frustrated when we fail to find meaning in our work. We'll be stressed and anxious by the burden of it. But remember, God never intended it to be that way. Remember the Garden of Eden, the original paradise, the way the world was supposed to be. There was work to be done in that perfect paradise. Good and joyful and glorifying work. God intended work to be worshipful and life-giving. At the fall, we became a broken people and our work was fractured as well. Many, if not all of us, experienced the cursed ground that Adam and Eve suffered and experienced the difficulty and the intense labor of work. But God, in his love for us, provided the way for it to be mended and made whole again when he sent his son into the brokenness with his own work to do. Jesus' work on the cross changed everything, mended everything. His work secured our salvation. His work changed the very nature of our work. His work proved that our identity is in him. His work allows us to be fully and completely satisfied in him rather than in anything of this world. It is in Christ that we can find real meaning and direction and purpose as we work for his glory, no matter what our job is and no matter what task we find ourselves doing. It is in Christ that we see the things that had been broken and difficult and heavy are restored and redeemed and brought back to the goodness and the beauty that they were intended for. Now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, there is not a one-size-fits-all plan for integrating our faith and our work life. Because integrating the two is about so much more than just doing the right thing and being kind. So much more than evangelizing to your coworkers or giving some of the money you earn back to the church. Though those are wonderful pursuits. 
Understanding how faith and work go together is about so much more than a set of boxes we can check in order to say, I have officially integrated the two. And so for the rest of our time together this morning, rather than give you tips and tricks, I wanna share with you three truths about how our faith and our pursuit of God's intention for our work can shape not only the view of our work lives, but also how we show up every single day and in everything that we do. The first truth is that faith helps us see our work as worship. All throughout scripture, worship is shown and described in many different ways. We see worship as dancing like David did or singing like Paul and Silas. We see worship as the lifting up of hands or offering sacrifices, all with the purpose of offering devotion and honor to God. In the first chapter of Ephesians, there's a compelling statement about our core purpose for living. Ephesians 1.12 says that we are to live for the praise of God's glory. We exist for the praise of God's glory. In other words, we are on this earth in order to praise God. Not just in our prayers and in our songs, but also in our whole lives. Our core purpose is worship. A bit later, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared good work for us and has prepared us for good work. That is and always was meant to be our way of life not occasional good deeds that decorate an otherwise morally bland life. See, because once we have been raised to new life through faith and through God's grace, our whole lives are to be filled with good works and good work offered to God. We may do many of the things we did before experiencing God's saving grace, but now these actions have new significance and purpose as we do them for the praise of God's glory. Because we have faith and we have been invited into a relationship with God, we are called to joyfully present our bodies as a living sacrifice, like it says in Romans, and do everything in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians tells us that in Christ, we are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new is here. In Christ, we are different beings. Everything has changed from our attitudes to our outlook and even including the way that we are called to see work, whether it's ironing the pillowcases or taking out the garbage whether it's from behind a computer in a cubicle or on a factory floor or cooking a meal or writing a birthday card. Everything ranging from helping a friend move into their first apartment to making million dollar business deals, we are called and invited to do it all in the name of Jesus. For many weeks now, we've heard the words from Colossians 3 that say, whatever you do, 
work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. This is the language of worship. When we have faith in God the Father who created us in his image to reflect his character and to reflect his good work, work itself becomes an act of and an opportunity for worship. The second truth is that faith helps us understand our influence. Each of us, for better or worse, has influence. Our attitudes, our choices, and our words, everything we do has the power to influence those around us. When I was little, I used to have sleepovers at my grandparents' house quite often, and I spent so much time with them, watching them go about their daily routines and their normal chores, and I picked up on a lot of the things that they said and did. I was very influenced by them, so much so that one morning as my grandfather was getting ready for the day, he kicked closed his dresser drawer, and I, as the little five-year-old dog me, walked over to that same drawer, opened it up, and then kicked it closed. (laughs) I was extremely influenced. Our actions and our attitudes and our behaviors have such a significant impact on those around us. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the message today, we will work for 13 entire years of our lives. That is a whole lot of time to be influencing others. Think of the impact that that can make. Think of how we are influencing others when we say that we are Christians and yet perhaps show up to work grumbling or arrogant or greedy. But when we are consistent in an attitude and a pursuit of excellence for the sake of glorifying God, it is obvious. And that has incredible influence too. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not that we ourselves would be glorified, but that our work and our attitude would so obviously point to God the Creator and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that those around us who perhaps don't know Jesus would see that something is different, that those around us would know the God we follow simply because we follow him so closely. Others see what we do, and when we do good work to glorify God, people see that. When our work becomes worship, Christ's light shines wherever we are. Glory for God the Father shines, and people notice that because that kind of work is so countercultural, so out of the ordinary, and so set apart. We have influence. And our faith in Jesus Christ helps us to understand how we are called to use that influence for the expansion of God's kingdom and for his name to be magnified. Finally, the third truth is that faith gives us hope in our work. Faith is ultimately what gives us hope 
in the work that we do and without it, our work would have the power to crush us with frustration and despair. It can be so easy for us to work and work and work and then step back and think, what's the point? Or I'm not even making a difference or I'm always gonna be stuck in this job that I hate. I think of people who enter the legal or the criminal justice systems hoping to bring about justice. Or I think of healthcare providers who hope to bring about healing. Or even those who work as city planners or construction workers who work to see transformation around them. Yet how quickly we all become frustrated by how little we can do to stop injustice, how little we can do to stop illness, or even how little we can do to improve cities to the point that no further improvement is required. How difficult it can feel it can be to feel like nothing more than a cog in the big machine. How easily those realities can move us to despair and frustration and how deeply we feel the effects of how work was fractured and broken when sin entered the world. But as those who have faith in God, we know that it is God who will bring about justice. We know that it is God who will end human suffering and it is God who will build the new Jerusalem. God who will restore our work to what it was supposed to be that first day in the garden. That is where we place our hope. As Christians, we can press on in the knowledge that one day all things will be fulfilled, that there is so much more for us that the work Jesus did on the cross has secured a different kind of future for us. And so instead of viewing our work as having been in vain, instead of wondering why we're working at all or if we will ever find joy in our work, we can know that it will have been in worship to a good God who has all things in hand and who is making all things new. In Christ, we are free from our own expectations and burdens and worries. Free from the pressure that we have turned work into and instead free to see that work actually isn't about us at all, but about serving God and living a life according to his purposes. Our work is about reflecting God's mission and God's glory here on earth. Work in its intended form, is an invitation to be a part of what God is doing in this world every single day. And so my question for each one of us is what would it look like as we go from here today to go about our work and our faith with Jesus fully at the forefront? Think about the work you even have left to do today. How is God calling you to work as worship? To not let your worship stop when you leave church today? Or how do you feel God moving you to do everything you do with your influence in mind? Are your works leading others to glorify God? 
And what would it take for you to work and live with the knowledge and the deep hope that God has and is continuing to mend all of creation, restoring it back to himself through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the work on the cross. Isaiah 60 describes the new heavens and the new earth. It looks to the end of time when God makes everything right and paradise is restored. And in this passage, all the nations of the world are bringing the products of their work to God as offerings to him. Just as there was good and holy work in the original paradise, there will be good and holy work in the future paradise too. And until then, even cubicles and kitchen tables and factory floors are holy ground. Faith is so much more than something that just happens when we're here in this room. It is something that we have the joy and the honor of living into and experiencing every single day and in every moment. Church, there is no faith life and ordinary life. We have just been given life, one to live with and through and in Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let us be a people that understands those words, that takes them seriously, and that follows them closely every single day. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this morning for the ways that you pursue us and chase after us in every aspect of our lives. And God, we ask for forgiveness for all the ways that we try to put you into a little box that we only open on Sundays. Lord, help us to live into the full life with you that you always intended for us and give us the courage to see our work as worship and give us the joy to see our work as holy and glorifying to you. Open our eyes to how we are influencing the people around us and let every word from our mouths and every action of our body always be pointing to you. And God, we thank you for the cross and for the mighty work that Jesus did there. Help us to understand it, Lord, your love for us and your pursuit of us and the salvation and the redemption that we find in you alone. Stir our hearts to encourage one another as we go about our daily tasks and our daily work and reveal yourself even in the most seemingly mundane and normal moments. We praise you this morning, Lord, and we pray all these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.